Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. Hey, church family, so excited today to be with you and share the word. And we have a special guest with us today. You guys already know him. He's been with us. He and his family's been with us for about two and a half years in the church. And Pastor Guy is here to share the word with us this morning. I want to tell you a little bit about this man. He is a man of integrity. He is a man that's a hard worker. And I couldn't be more proud to have him a part of this church family. He has brought so many gifts to the table when it comes to ministry of First Assembly here in Indianola. And um, today I really wanted him to share the word with you because in the midst of this COVID-19 pandemic thing, this church has not lost its vision. We are continuing to plow forward, to move ahead. And one of the things that many of you know that's on my heart is to plant another church. We've had a lot of success over in Knoxville, planting that church with Pastor Dave and Sarah. But we have not lost vision or lost sight of planting one west of here. And if we were to pick anyone to be the pastor of that church, it's Pastor Guy. So we've been in discussions and we've been uh, planning and making some some uh, uh, just schedules and things like that. We don't have a specific date in mind, but we are planning to plant another church out west. And God could not have sent us a better man and a better team than Pastor Guy and his wife, Britt. So Pastor Guy is going to come and share the word with us this morning. Listen to it, hear what he's got to say. This is a man of God, and I'm so thankful that you're here with us, Pastor Guy. Come on and share the word. Well, well thank you, Pastor Barry. Uh, I really wanted to give him a hug, but uh, as you know, we're not supposed to do that. Um, so we settled for that little elbow bump that you saw, but um, you know, I don't know how to uh, follow an intro like that. Um, you know, he's given me way too much credit, and it's, uh, you know, I did, my wife and I and our family, we came here a little over two and a half years ago, and, you know, it's just been a blessing to be a part of this church family. Um, you know, we are so grateful for the staff here, and, and uh, every member of this church. You guys are just a, a wonderful group of people, and, you know, I'm honored to be here with you this morning, and I know, um, you know, it's, it's different for all of us not waking up on Sunday morning and coming coming to the church building and, and worshiping together and, uh, you know, being encouraged and exhorted with the word of God and uh, just being pushed and, and sometimes kicked, you know, spiritually kicked when we need it. Um, but, you know, we're so grateful for um, our team and the ability that we have at our church and, and really churches around the world and around our country stepping up their game and bringing the church to you live in your homes. And um, and so I'm, I'm honored to be able to deliver this word that I feel the Lord, you know, put in my heart. And you know, my, my, uh, my purpose for this morning is to really encourage you and, and exhort you. And, um, you know, even in times of uncertainty and the unknown can be troubling to a lot of people. And, uh, you know, even me in particular, you know, we mentioned pastor
Pastor Barry mentioned, you know, we came here about two and a half years ago, and, and that was a transition for us, and it was, it was a lot of unknown. We had no idea what the next step was for us, but we just knew we needed to take a step, and, um, and it's been, been amazing to just watch God unfold things in our lives, and, and, uh, and I know he's no respecter of persons. If he'll do that for me, he'll do that for you, and so I, I believe this morning that uh, if each one of us just open up our hearts, in our homes, in our living rooms, in our kitchens, wherever you may be right now, gather your family and, uh, and just be encouraged. You know, as I was praying and just seeking the Lord, um, the, 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 th- the title that came to me was Dreaming Through Difficulty. And, um, and, and I'm not going to camp out on, on this COVID pandemic thing too much um, throughout my message because, you know, we don't want to focus wholeheartedly on that. But um, difficulty comes to all of us in all different shapes and sizes. It really does. And, uh, you know, the definition of difficulty, I looked it up. I like to look up definitions, even though in our minds we know what difficulty means. We, we, we understand that word. It's common language. Um, but just for me anyways, just reading the definition really just kind of emphasizes something in my heart. And the definition of difficulty is the state or condition of being difficult. You know, pretty obvious definition there. A thing that is hard to accomplish, deal with, or understand. Something that's hard to, hard to accomplish. You know, some of us may have difficult bosses, uh, may have difficult marriages right now, may have difficult children, difficulty in our finances. Maybe you found yourself um, unemployed um, unexpectedly during this season. Uh, maybe you found yourself just completely anxious and worry and full of fear, and that's a difficulty. Um, I wrote this, pro- this definition down, just kind of layman's terms. It says, uh, my definition is difficulty is something that is a problem for you. And, and I, I, I don't know, I'm, I, I like that term or that definition. A difficulty is something that is a problem for you. And, you know, because what's difficult to you may not be difficult for, for me and, and vice versa. What's difficult for you as a husband may not be difficult for you as your spouse. And, and, or what's difficult for you as an employee may not be as difficult for a coworker. And so difficulty simply defined can be is something that's a problem for us. And, and sometimes when we find ourselves in difficult moments, it is very, very, at least I've found that it's very challenging to continue to dream. And, and dreaming is so important in our lives because dreaming is what keeps us moving forward. Dreaming, hope, holding out hope for something better, for something, uh, for something that we've believed in and believed for for so long. And, 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 and dreaming is, is vital to, to just uh, our, our, our excitement and our passion in life. And, um, you know, to dream... It's to consider as possibility or reality. It's a strongly desired goal or purpose. And I believe each one of us have been, been birthed with dreams on the inside of our heart. I, re- I read this definition um, uh, that I, I was just looking up different things for dream. And I like this. And it's kind of a, a, it's real simple and it might make you laugh. But the, a dream is the thing your parents and teachers encourage when you are a kid only for it to start getting crushed by life. How many times have we heard this scenario? Mommy, I want to, the kid says, Mommy, I want to be a doctor when I grow up. And the mother says, Yes, son, you can achieve anything that you put your mind to. And then the kid grows up to the last year of high school, right? And says, Mom, I have no idea what I want to do. 
And the mother remembers back to when that child was a kid and had all those dreams and those hopes. And she says, well, well what happened to your dream of, of wanting to become a doctor? And the kid says, life, life happened. And then he may add, or she may add, my, my grades happened, you know, um, reality, difficulty. And I believe in our church, I believe in our country, in our nation, and in our world that we live in today, that even, even in this moment that we find ourselves in, it can be very challenging to think past tomorrow and to dream and to hope and to believe for what's next. And all throughout our lives, we encounter difficult seasons we encounter challenging times, and this may be one of them for you, for a lot of us. But I want to encourage you to hold on to hope. I, I was reading a story that, actually my wife was telling me about a story that they read in their world history book for um, our kids in school. And, um, you know, I thought it was an interesting story, so I just want to read a little bit about it. And... Um, it's challenging to me anyways, and I was really intrigued by this, this individual's perspective on his dream. And I want to preface by saying this, this man was not a born-again believer. He was not a Christian. He was not a godly man, per se. Um, but his story still intrigued me. And it, it's goes, it goes like this. Long ago in Athens, there was a man, man, and I keep murdering the guy's name, but there was a man named Demosthenes whose father died when he was seven years of age. He didn't know his mother, so he had no mother. His father was a wealthy sword maker and left a large inheritance for him. However, because he was so young, the inheritance was given to three guardians who were to manage it and care for the boy until he became of age to manage it himself. Unfortunately, his guardians were wicked and spent most of the inheritance on themselves rather than caring for this child. As he grew into manhood, he found himself a good deal less learned than his peers. He longed to be a public speaker, but his lungs were weak, his voice was quiet, and he pronounced his R's as W's. Not very, you know, he said not, not very, not very good qualities for the making of the professional orator. This was his dream. This was his passion. This is what moved him. But, but this young child made up his mind as he grew up to follow his dream. And he believed in it so much that he built a, sturdy, a study chamber in a cave where he spent, where he stayed for two to three months at a time, studying and practicing his speech in order that he might not quit when going through tough times, he kept one half of his head shaved clean so that he'd be too embarrassed to leave the cave and go out into public. I mean, this guy took this dreaming of and through difficulty to the extreme. And so even to build strength in his lungs and his voice, he ran up and down hills and, and near the roaring ocean of waves reciting sentences. To cure his speech impediment, he practiced speaking while holding stones in his mouth until he achieved perfect pronunciation. And he would watch his reflection in a polished metal mirror, noting his facial and body languages to be sure it was pleasant and graceful rather than distracting. By all accounts, this boy who grew up into a man should not have become a professional speaker or an orator, which was his dream. He suffered setback after setback after setback, yet he kept pursuing his passion, his dream. And we find a spiritual account of this, of a very godly man um, outlined in scripture. And I'm not going to read all the scripture because it, it covers, it's covered over a number of chapters, but it's found in Genesis chapter 37. 
And it's the story, we know this, of the dreamer. He went from a prisoner to a prince. He, 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 had, he had a God-given dream. We find this in Genesis chapter 37. And I'm going to start, I'm going to start in verse 5, but we, we see that in Genesis 37 verse 3, it goes, it says that uh, Joseph was loved by his father more than all of his other siblings. You know, I've got four kids who are at home right now watching church online, and um, you know, I, I don't uh, favor one over the other. That's a recipe for disaster as a parent. We all know that. We all understand that. But Joseph was favored. And it says in verse 5 here of this account of Joseph's life, it says, Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. You know, it's one thing that I really appreciate about Pastor Barry and the staff here at this church. You can just sense the attitude and the, the, the embrace of personal dreams in people's lives. They encourage us. They encourage you. Go after your dreams. What is it that God has called you? What is it that God has given you to push for and to believe for? What are you hearing from God? And so God birthed, these, birthed this dream into Joseph and his brothers hated it. You know, I noticed that Joseph, it says here that he told it in verse five, he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. You know, how unfortunate for Joseph to have a dream of all people, we should be able to share it with our family, right? And believe that, that they're gonna encourage us. They're gonna, they're gonna stand behind us. They're gonna support us. But I've learned through life that not everybody's going to be supportive of our dreams. You know, even in my own personal life, there was a, 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 an individual in my life who I greatly respected, and I still do, even to this day. And I shared a dream, some stuff that I felt God was stirring in my heart at a season of my life. And, um, you know, I, I got uh, shot down and discouraged and told not to pursue that, not to chase that. That's, that's foolishness. And, you know, in some cases that, you know, the Bible says we should seek wisdom. There's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. So that's what I was doing. I was seeking counsel. I was seeking wisdom. But yet that didn't come, that, that conversation came after hours of prayer and, 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 and meditating on the scriptures and seeking the Lord. Lord, is this you? Is this a dream that's birthed by you? But I had a choice because that encounter was difficult. Joseph here had a choice because this encounter was difficult. And we could go on to read a lot. Well, let, let's read it in verse 6 here because I want to I share this dream. It says, So he said to them, Please hear this dream which I dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field. And behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. You can maybe get, uh, kind of connect the dots there. Maybe why his brothers weren't too excited about that dream. You know, and, and he's sharing that uh, uh, their sheaves surrounded his sheaf and bowed down to him. So they kind of connected the debts. And verse 8, and his brother said to him, shall you indeed reign over us and have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and his words. Church family, it's, I, I, I don't want to mislead you that you're going to have dreams. You're going to have things birthed on the inside of you. You're going to share them with people, and some people aren't going to like those dreams. And those they can be very godly and, and wonderful people, 
But sometimes because of our own security, insecurities, our own failures at our own dreams, we have to filter through those things. Situations and circumstances like this COVID pandemic that's out of our control. I know people who were planned to be wed during this time. Graduating seniors who are looking forward to their last year of track, their last year of baseball, walking down that stage, that prom, whatever it may be. And you can encounter difficulties. You can encounter disappointment. Joseph here encountered disappointment. And if we look at the narrative of Joseph's life, which we're not, we, we can't possibly look at all those scriptures this morning, because I've got three points that I want to leave you with today. But I need to lay this foundation. We see that Joseph had a dream. Again, looking at this narrative, his brothers hated him because of that dream. So much so that they were willing to conspire to kill him because of his dream. One brother, thankfully, talks the other brothers out of it. They decide, okay, well, let's throw him into a pit. And then they come, they come to their senses and they say, okay, let's sell him instead, because after all, he is our brother and our flesh. What, what will it profit us if we just kill him? Let's sell him and at least gain some, some wealth for it from him. So they sold him, and then he gets sold again by the person who bought him. And then we see in, in, in Joseph's life that, uh, you know, he was bought by Potiphar, um, an officer in Pharaoh's house. And I want to read this in Genesis 39, verse 2. Genesis 39, verse 2, it says, Then the Lord was with Joseph. Now notice, Joseph was hated. Joseph was trapped. Joseph, well, they were conspiring to kill Joseph. Joseph was thrown into a, a, a pit. Joseph was left to die, basically. Then they sold Joseph. Then, the, then that person sold Joseph. That can be very discouraging. You know, one day this guy's dreaming, the next day life's happening. One day you and I are dreaming, the next day life happens. And the next day, and the next day, and then all of a sudden we find ourselves three years down the road and we ask ourselves, what happened to our dreams? And that can be challenging. Even through this pandemic, if we focus wholeheartedly on what's going on, it can set us back for years. And that's really the purpose and the, the heart behind this message is to not allow this moment, not allow this season to stop what God was starting in you before it took place and what God wants to continue to do through it and after it goes away. God's got good things in store for his people. So we see here in verse two that the Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man. Now, wait a minute. He was sold, into, he was sold as a slave. He was serving as a slave. His family hated him, wanted to kill him, but yet it says the Lord, the scripture describes him as a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, verse three, and his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. Verse four, so Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. And then he made Joseph overseer of his house and all that he had, and all that he, had he put under his authority. You know, and that's a great illustration of, of someone who has a dream, encounters difficulty. And we see in Joseph's life, he encountered more difficulty. If you look at further into his life, you'll notice that uh, um, he was falsely accused. And, uh, and then he was sent to prison. Prison is a tough place to be. And I believe some of us are, are living in a prison in our minds, in our hearts, with our thoughts by our own anxiety, by our own fear, by our own worry. And if we're not careful, we can let go of the very thing that God has called us to do, the very thing that God has birthed in our hearts to accomplish. 
because it's difficult. You know, dreams often die because they are disguised as work. And if you look at the whole story of Joseph, after he gets thrown into prison again, the Bible says the Lord was with Joseph and he rose to the top and the, the guard of the prison put everything all under Joseph's authority. And then we, a lot of us know the rest of the story. But Joseph's process of his dream, dream coming to pass took a long time. It doesn't just happen overnight. And we all know this. And through that, through that process, there's difficulties. It says in Genesis 41 that Joseph was 30 years old when he became a ruler in Egypt. And then his brothers found him after seven good years of prosperity and seven years of famine. And I like how scripture, I need to find this verse because I put it towards the end of my notes. I like how scripture gives us an insight as to Joseph's heart during this, um, this difficult season. Genesis 45 verse 8 it says, so now it was, this happened, at, excuse, let me back up, this happened after Joseph's brothers approached him. Now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout the, all the land of Egypt. Notice where Joseph's life was, where his focus was. His focus was on God. His focus wasn't on the circumstances. His focus wasn't on the difficulties. His focus wasn't on his time in prison or his time as a slave. No, his focus, he, he had an understanding that it, God was working all of those things to get him to the place where he needed to be. Church family, I want to encourage you this morning that everything you're facing today, God can and will use. Don't allow these difficulties to hinder you from your dreams. Now that we've got this foundation laid of a dreamer outlined in scripture that encounter difficult seasons, I want to leave you with three points real quick. Three points that I believe if applied will bless us. The first, the first point that I want, want to, I want to give you this morning is I want to encourage you to define your dream. What is it that moves you? What is it that gives you passion? What is it that gives you hope? What is it that encourages you? What is it that keeps you up at night with excitement? What is it that is, is there when your heart starts beating fast when you think about it? What are those thoughts? What are those things that God maybe birthed in you as a child? Maybe you didn't know God as a child or as a teenager or as a young adult. What is it that God has birthed in your life and in your heart since you've given your heart to him? What are those things that, that you are passionate about? We find a scripture that I think is powerful outlined in the word of God, and it's found in Mark chapter 10, verse 46. I'm going to start there through 52. It says, Now they came to Jericho. As he went out of Jericho with his disciples, and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And we had, when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then, he, then many warned him to be quiet, but he, he cried out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 49, so Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? 
the blind man said, said Rabbi, that I may receive my sight. Now, I, I find that interesting that Jesus, the Son of God, approaches this blind man, blind man begging at the side of the road. And he asks him a question. What do you want me to do for you? To you and I, that would be pretty obvious, right? You know, you're blind, you can't see. You've heard about Jesus, you know of his power because it's obvious that he was crying out and everyone else is telling him to be quiet and just step aside. But he cried out all the more because he knew Jesus Christ was a healer. And Jesus asks him this question, what do you want me to do? You know, I want to challenge us as a church. What, what would our response be if Jesus asked us that same question? What do you want me to do for you? Would you be able to spell out the promises, the miracles, and the dreams that God has put in your heart? Or would you be at a loss for words because you don't really know? Because you have no idea what we want God to do for us. And then you wonder why it seems like God isn't doing anything for you because we don't know. You know, in Habakkuk chapter 2, we see in verse 1, it says, I will take my stand in my, at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. And the Lord answered and said to me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. Verse 3, for still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. And so here we have a man of God, Habakkuk, who, you know, if you look in chapter 1, he's asking a whole bunch of questions because things are uncertain. Things are difficult. Things are challenging. And his response to those challenges is, is enlightening to me because it says in verse 1, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me. If you find yourself in a position this morning, church, where you can't define your dream, you can't spell it out, you can't make it clear, because, and, and, and therefore, as we see in this scripture, you can't run with it, I challenge you to set some time aside. The Lord wants to speak to you. The Lord wants to birth a dream in your heart. He wants to give you direction. He wants to give you purpose, even in the midst of this pandemic that we find ourselves in. We can continue to dream and continue to believe. In verse 2, we saw that the Lord answered him and he gave him direction he said write the vision church I believe if you and I take some time and set aside and seek the face of the Lord we'll get, be given things birth things on the inside of us that will create vision that will create purpose and I want you to document those things that the Lord speaks to or, or those things that quicken your heart you're reading through scripture and those promises outlined in the word of God and they give you they give you purpose they motivate you they push you document those things hold fast to them knowing that they will come to pass we're encouraged towards the end of that portion of Scripture. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Now, that's kind of contradictory. You know, if it seems slow, wait for it. If it will surely come, it will not delay. 
I believe Habakkuk has such insight given by the, by, the, the, by the word of the Lord that he understands that things, there's a process to dreaming. And so many of us give up in that process. What would have happened if Joseph would have had a bad attitude? What would have happened if Joseph would have just threw in the towel that first time he was sold? Or when his brothers hated him and he would have said, fine, I, I'm not gonna dream. I'm not gonna believe God for this because it was difficult. But he didn't, he pushed, he pushed through. And I want to encourage you this morning to push through. Our response, we're not responsible for the dream to come to pass. Our responsibility is to simply discern what God wants and then humbly yet boldly ask him for it. God will throw in some unexpected twists to our story. But from experience and through what we read in the scripture, we know that it will be worth it. And it will benefit us and it will always, always propel us to where we were destined to be in the first place. Nothing that happens in our life is a waste of time. No, no challenge that we see ourselves facing is pointless. And so number one, define your dream. Take some time, get with your spouse if you're married, if you have a family, set some family goals, set some family dreams. Maybe it's a vacation. Maybe you haven't taken a vacation in five years. Well, God, we can't plan a vacation in this pandemic. Yeah, you can. Hold out hope for those things. Second step here is I want, I want to encourage you to take the first step. Just as I take a step, take that first step. You know, I, I like this quote by Martin Luther King Jr. It says, faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. That's what faith does. Faith takes that step. Sometimes it takes a step to the left, to the right, forward, backwards. But so many of us, we allow the start to be the stop that hinders us from moving forward. Don't let the start stop you. Don't let the start stop you. Even in this church planning endeavor that Pastor Barry mentioned, I've never planted a church. I, I was a youth pastor and an associate for, for nearly 15 years, did a lot of work in ministry, but I've never planted a church. And there's a lot of starts that could stop me and hinder me from taking a step. In business, I've ran a business for about the same time, and there's a lot of starts that I've had to take that, you know what, I didn't see the whole staircase, but I had to, I had to start somewhere. I had to step out in faith and trust God. I can remember one time when I hired a salesman because we had some dreams and, and, and uh, we, we were desiring potential and growth, and, and our, our company was in a rough spot. And I was hiring a salesman. I approached the vice president. We're both scared because our sales in this month were, were just horrendous. We, we lost over $80,000 that month as a company. And yet here I am wanting to, to hire a, a kind of an, a, more of an executive role, a high, a high salary job. And, and I had no idea how to make this happen. But I had to start. And so we stepped out in faith. And you know what? It was one of the best decisions we ever made as a company because that propelled us forward into what God had set up for our business. But we have to start. I can remember one time my wife and I were believing God for a car. It was early on in our marriage. We were married maybe a year or two. And um, we had two cars. She had a car that she uh, it was like in a 90-something, ran a stop sign, got T-boned, um, couldn't open one side of the car. Um, I had an older Jeep that, was, uh, um, that I'd bought and paid a lot of money for, but it was wearing down miles, and it was going on its second transmission. 
And it was a challenging time. We didn't have the money, but we were believing God. And our goal was to get a dependable car and to be debt-free. We wanted to pay cash for the car, but in the natural, it looked impossible. But we had to start somewhere. And so we believed God and we trusted God and we, we started writing down, we started defining our dream for an automobile, for a, for a vehicle, something as insignificant as a car. Even the Lord cares about that. So we started detailing what we wanted. And if you know me, you know I'm very detailed. And sometimes I can get hung up on the details because I want everything to fall into place like my detailed list said. But that's not trusting God. And so we, we trusted the Lord and we believed God so much so it was getting so difficult and months after months after months go by. So we made this sign and we put it above our bed. So every night we would pray for that vehicle and just believe God that he would lead us. And it, the sign said, this is the year that just kind of triggered our memory to believe God for that dream. Not only did we need a car, um, we, we desired a new car, a newer car for us. And we tested some ones out that lined up perfectly to our detailed list. But we had to pass. We just, we had to pass. We had to pass for whatever reason, a number of different reasons. We had to pass. And then I can remember one time I find this car and it had almost everything on our list, but it wasn't the right color. And it had a couple options that we didn't want. And it was higher price than we were originally believing for. And we wanted to be debt free at that time in our life with no car payment. We were planning to have kids. And so we were making financial decisions to try to be wise for that. But we had to believe God for this. And so we felt led to go after this car. And long story short, barely pulled into the dealership with my Jeep. It was on the last leg. They, I traded it off. They knew the transmission was bad. I was honest with them. I told them about it. We bought the car, paid more than what we originally wanted, but we felt peace about it. It wasn't a three week, two or three weeks go by. And all of a sudden we get a check in the mail for $5,000 something I, we weren't planning on. We, we had no idea was coming. And you know how much we overspent on that car? $5,000. God knew in advance the need that we had, but we had to take the first step. And then the great thing about this vehicle is, and I'm not a used car salesman, that's not my business, but the great thing about it was is we ended up driving it. Well, then we had kids kids. It wasn't conducive for multiple kids. So we had to sell the car. We were able to sell the car for about, about somewhere between two and 3,000. I can't remember the exact number, but it was a couple thousand more than what we paid for it. So not only did God provide in advance, God provide after we took the step, then God set us such a great deal that we made money on it after we sold it. And so many times we get hung up on the details of what, how we want something to come to pass that it stops us from taking the first step. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, one of my life verses says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your, on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. I love that scripture. Trust in the Lord when you're determining what steps to take and they don't line up naturally. They don't line up financially. They don't line up um, with your understanding or your detailed list if you're like me. That's where we got to lean not on our own understanding, Acknowledge God. We saw in Genesis chapter 46, it was, or 45, that Joseph clearly acknowledged God through that whole journey. Joseph took multiple steps. Some of them he was even pushed out into. But he took those steps and he took them in faith. 
Every day we have faith steps to take. Every day we have steps we need to make that we won't see the whole staircase or where it leads. But we've got to trust the Lord. In Ephesians 3, verse 20, I'm going to read it in the message translation. It says, Now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly more than all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, and dreams, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Church, God is able to make things work, to carry out his purpose, to do super abundantly, to do more than we could ask, think, or dream according to the power, according to his power at work in us. But we've got to take that first step. Our father is a gentleman. He's not going to push. He's going to push gently, but he's not going to shove you off the cliff He's going to let you take the step and then he's going to provide. Just as if I was to walk off this stage, you know, right now in the natural, it would be, it would not make much sense to walk off this stage. I would, I would fall two or three feet, however that distance is. That's easy enough. I could catch myself. But spiritually speaking, taking that step, step after step, the Lord just paves the road right in front of us. He directs our steps. He lays out the path that we should follow. If our dreams are defined, if we're willing to take that faith step, if we're willing to step out and trust God with all our heart, even if it doesn't make sense in our own understanding, and the very fact that God is moving you, you know, you've done the natural things. You've sought the Lord. You've sought counsel. You've, you've read in his word. You're being led by the Holy Spirit. You've done those things and there's something in you that just continues to push you and but you don't know how to make it all work just take the step is my encouragement to you just take that step and God will provide I have another story that the Lord actually the Holy Spirit reminded me of this morning on my way to church here and uh, it was our first child, my son, Brayden, and uh, he had an unexpected surgery that came up. And again, my wife and I were in a season of life where we, we didn't have a lot of surplus. We were savers and we were tithers and givers and we, were, we, we loved to bless people, but we didn't have a lot set aside for emergencies at that time. It was young in our marriage. And he had this surgery came up and we told no one. We didn't tell us all. To, to my um, heir, I didn't even tell my parents um, until actually we're sitting at the hospital about ready to go into surgery. And uh, my mom calls me and she asks me what we're doing. And I tell her, you could say she was a little upset that what? My grandson's having surgery and you didn't even tell me? I, I learned from that. I was young. I was immature. Um, but the Lord did something through that circumstance because our, our objective was, okay, we don't have the finances for this, but we have the faith for this. Our faith needs to be way bigger than our finances, our resources. Anything that we can come up with naturally, our faith needs to be stronger. And then we go through the surgery, and of course, you know, you're going to get billed by the doctor, right? And I just randomly get this call from a stranger that I'd met years prior. He went to a different church, didn't know him personally. And he just said, hey, the Lord, um, the Lord just laid it on my heart that uh, you have a need and I have surplus and I want to bless you. And I, instantly tears just start flowing down my face because we, we were believing God for that doctor bill to be paid. Something is, God cares about those minor details. To us, it was a big detail. And you know what that guy did is he wrote us a check for the exact amount of what that doctor bill was. We told no, no one. 
We told no one we didn't have have the need. God knows. Matthew 6, verse 31 says, Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? If you've got dreams, don't worry about those things. For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day and its, is its own trouble. Church, our Lord will provide. You define the dream. You take the step. You trust the Lord. Now, my third point here, and I'm going to start closing. My third point is focus on faith. You've defined the dream. You've spelt it out. You've given thought and prayer to what it is that motivates you, what it is that pushes you. You've taken a step at the leading of the Lord. You've trusted the Lord. Now, when you do those two things, now this is what's required on your end, is you got to keep your focus on faith. We're given an account in the scripture of Matthew chapter 14, where Jesus... Um, was with his disciples in verse 22. And it says here, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent them the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain to, by himself to pray. Now, when evening had come, he was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves for the wind was contrary. I want you to remember that. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. It is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink, cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him. I love that scriptural account that we just read because it shows here, it shows a group of people that Jesus loved and cared about. He told them, hey, it's time to go to the other side. It's time to take a step. It's time to move forward. He sends them. He's going to pray. And notice it says that, that he was alone there, but the boat was in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves because the waves were contrary. As you define your dream, as you take, out, as you, as you take steps in life, there's there's going to be things that are contrary to what you're believing God for. There's going to be things that don't line up. There's going to be things that don't, just like Joseph's brothers, that don't agree. There's going to be people in your life that you care about, that you love, that aren't going to support that dream. But it says here that Jesus went to them. Jesus, Jesus sees your struggle. He sees when things are, are contradictory in your life. He sees those hardships. And it goes on, or verse 27, it says, But Jesus spoke to them, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And as I was studying this message, I really believe in my heart that somebody watching this message today, maybe you go to our church, maybe you're from another church, and your church doesn't have online um, capabilities right now. I don't believe it's by mistake that you're here watching. And you've been asking in your heart, Lord, this thing that I... That, that, that I feel birthed on the inside of me. Is it you? Is it you? And as sure as I'm standing here by the, by the Holy Spirit, 
I, I was I was taken to this scripture of Peter saying, "Is it if it um, be of good cheer? It is I. Do not be afraid." And Peter answered, "Said Lord, if it is you." And so Peter's asking, "Lord, if this is you, if this is you talking with me, if this is you telling me, command me to come." And Jesus said, "Come." I want to encourage you, church. Dream through this pandemic. Dream through difficult circumstances. Define those dreams. Figure out what it is that moves you. Figure out what it is that gives you passion. Take that first step. Jesus is saying this morning, it is I and come. You don't have to worry about how it's all going to play out. You don't have to be focused on if it's going to work or not. You know, fear deflates, faith inflates. I want to close with this scripture. It's found in Romans chapter 5. I want to leave you with some hope this morning. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith. Again, we're focusing on faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we're going to re and rejoice in, hope of, in the hope of glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory, notice this verbiage here, that we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint. Church, your faith in Christ will not disappoint you. Your faith will not let you down. Hebrews 11.1, 1, my last verse, says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. The substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. When your focus is on faith in Christ and His ability that hope, that faith, that, that, that passion, that belief will not let you down, church. Things may not always look out and, and, and look how you thought they were going to, but I guarantee you if your focus is on Jesus, and again, we can go back to that story of Joseph. I'm sure he didn't, when he had those dreams, I'm sure he didn't think he'd be a slave. I'm sure he didn't think he'd be thrown into prison. I'm sure he didn't think his brothers would hate him or want to kill him. But yet he kept his focus because he knew that it was God who brought him there, not his brothers. And if you could, just bow your head wherever you're at this morning in your house. Again, I, just, I, I really want this message to encourage you, to exhort you, to lift you up. Maybe your dreams have been deflated. Maybe you've had despair in your life. Maybe you've had destruction. Maybe you've had delay. Maybe you've had difficulties and you've lost even, even maybe not even the ability to dream, but just the passion to dream. And if we're not careful during those seasons of difficulty, we can allow those circumstances to become the norm. And we can think in our mind, well, this is how it's always going to be. I'm always going to be short. I'm always short, short, short funded. I'm always going to be um, uh, uneducated. I'm always going to be unimportant. I'm always going to be struggling with this or struggling with that. And everybody's dream is going to look different. Maybe that dream is a salvation in the family. You've been believing God for your son or your daughter to come back to the Lord. Maybe that dream is for uh, a, a new house. Maybe that dream is for a new job that will provide for your 
family or, or uh, uh, allow you to, to play out your purpose. Maybe that dream is for a ministry that you've been believing God for or a step in a direction. Maybe that dream is health and healing. Maybe that dream is to be free of worry and anxiety and you've just been bound and bound by depression and fear and all these weights have continued to carry you through life or, or hinder you through life, excuse me. Whatever those dreams look like, I, I, I truly believe by faith that if you just cast those cares over onto the Lord and you sit down and you get with the Lord, you define your dream, you take a step and then you know what comes after the first step? The next step. And then the next step. And then you know what? You're going to trip. You're going to fall. You're going to stumble. You know what? You get back up, you dust off your pants, and you step again. And then throughout this process of your dream coming to pass, even if it takes 27 years or 30 years like it did for Joseph, you focus on faith in Christ Jesus that hope will not disappoint. And if that's you this morning, you know, I encourage you, we've got an online campus team that's here for you. Usually I'm behind the, behind the computer screen on Sunday mornings and, and, um, you know, and it's a blessing to communicate with you guys that way. But maybe it's, you're in here and you've lost sight of your dream. I just want you, I just challenge you to reach out to those online campus ministers and just type, I have a dream. I have a dream. And let them pray for you. If you would, just bow your heads with me and let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this church family. I thank you for these online um, family that's watching this message this morning. Lord, I thank you for the encouragement and the exhortation that you brought us. And Lord, right now, I just ask that you stir things up in their heart. Lord, those dreams that they've let go of, Lord, those dreams that they've forgotten about, those dreams that have been destroyed through circumstance and through difficulty. Lord, res just as Jesus was resurrected and we just celebrated Easter, Lord, I ask that you resurrect those dreams into the hearts and in the lives of these people. Lord, birth dreams into the children and the teenagers that are watching. Lord, give them purpose. Give them hope. Show them that first step. Lord, catch them when they step out of that boat. Be with them. Stretch your hand out towards them. Lord, we are so grateful for you. We love you and we praise you and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, church. We love you so much. Enjoy your Sunday and have a wonderful time with your family. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.